So uh, this class is death, dying, heaven, and hell. Um, it's really death, dying, hell, and heaven, but it really doesn't sound as smooth. So I put death, dying, heaven, and hell. And I also wanted to end with heaven because I didn't want to kind of end on a, uh, on a bad note. So I wanted to end on a positive note, an exciting note. So that's what we were talking about. If you notice that last week we talked about the wrath of God, and this week we're going to talk about just judgment. Um, we really want to know um, we're kind of working towards, um, towards, towards hell. Um, hell is um, a topic um, that is brought up very often in regards to discredit Christianity because all we do is preach a God um, of love. We preach a God of beauty. We preach a God of majesty. We preach a God who laid down his life um, for us. Um, and then all of a sudden you're talking about hell. Um, I do want to encourage you because next week we're going to bring hell up specifically. But I do want to encourage you to, um, to make sure you come. Um, and, t- and, and go off the subject. If you're scared about the subject, I want you to definitely come. Um, just because the whole presentation always is to show the love of God and to show the beauty of God, the majesty of God, the justice of God, the care of God. That God is love, and we cannot separate that. And hell does not separate that God is a God of love. Now, you might be thinking, how can that be? Well, if you notice that not very many people teach hell, and the reason why not very many people teach hell is because they feel like there is that separation. But uh, next week, not next week, it'll be two weeks, that we're going to find out that it's not um, necessarily um, a separation from the love of God um, to, um, to the wrath of God. And we might, depending on time, we might go into it a little bit. I have a question at the very end, if, we, if we're, we're doing really good on time, that we'll just kind of walk through, um, just to kind of give us a taste before we go into it. But if you go into the bookstore, um, and you look at um, self-help books, and what do you have? You have the care for the soul, you have the chicken soup of the soul, you have um, all these books that kind of tell you how to, to lift you up. But have you ever noticed a book, The Judgment of the Soul? Why isn't there a book that comes The Judgment of the Soul? because nobody would buy it. <laughs> Why would you buy a book that talks about the judgment um, of the soul? You, you, you necessarily you wouldn't buy it. But uh, the class is going to talk about judgment, but uh, my encouragement is to try to look at judgment in a different light that we think of judgment. Um, when we think of judgment, um, of course, to us and others, it should um, enlighten us um, not discourage us, not depress us, not oppress us, but just give us an enlightenment of, of what is taking place, of what is going on. So the first thing I just want to bring up is that um, number one, uh, well, number thing I want to bring up is we need a judge. Um, believe it or not, uh, we need a judge. A judge um, is required. Why do we need a judge? Number one, if there is no judge, there is no way one action is more important than another. There's no way one action is more important than the other. Um, you've got this, this, um, this kind of this uh, statement that is out there. Everything's right in your own eyes. Is everything right in our own eyes? What if um, I looked at Ted and I said, well, you know, Ted, you have something that I want, and it's right in my own eyes to get the thing that you want. So when are you going on vacation next? Because I am going to break into your house, and I'm going to take the thing that I want. This, is that Right? Well, the world would say what? Or the United States would say what? Don't ask, not, that's not right. Well, stop judging me. Don't judge me, Francis, for wanting to go into his house and take something from him. There has to be a line. If there is not a line, what takes place? Well, anybody gets to do whatever we want, whenever we want, and I know what's inside of my heart. Doesn't that scare you? I mean, if you really observe yourself, say, what is really deep inside of my heart? What do I really want and how do I want it? I um, have a prayer in my prayer journal. And, uh, and the prayer says, God, thank you for not answering all of my prayers. <laughs> uh, and the reason why is because I pray for things that I don't even want. I remember praying for a, a position at a church because God was calling me in a pastor position. And said, God, I feel like you're calling me Open up the doors for opportunity here. That was my prayer. Today, I thank God every single day. 
thank you for not answering this prayer. Thank you for not answering this prayer. Thank you for not answering this prayer. When there is guidelines, a judge that says, this is what you want, it puts a structure in place. We have to have that structure. We can't survive without that structure. Otherwise, the only thing that is going to drive the world are our emotions. <laughs> what would the world look like if we're driven by emotions? Well, God says, I'm a judge, and what I want you to do is I want you to pull back the emotions and observe principle instead. That's why we need judgment. We need that, that line. Otherwise, we're all free to bring what our emotions about, and as we bring our emotions about, everybody gets to do what we want. You know, it, it's a disaster. Um, it's chaos, and it is not written into the law of America. And Ted, if I stole something from his house and said, that's not right, do you ever hear America say, well, you know, it's okay because we all get to do what we want. Maybe he wanted to do it. We had to have a line. If there is no judge, there is no way one action is more important than other. It has to be there to say, this is where the line's at, and when you cross it, I'm going to tell you. Now, what we've done as human beings, we said, okay, this is where my line is at, but is that really necessarily the line? Well, we need an ultimate judge to say, this is where the line's at. If you cross it, I will hold you accountable. We have to, otherwise everything falls. Another reason why we need a judge is if there's no judge, there's no way you can prevent anyone from picking up a sword. Merslav Wolf uh, wrote a thesis and I just want to read the first part of his um, thesis um, because he knew that uh, people would not receive his thesis very well. This is his statement. My thesis that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance will be unpopular with many Christians, especially theologians in the West. The person inclined to dismiss it, I suggest, imagining that you are delivering a lecture in a war zone. Among your listeners are people whose cities and villages have been first plundered, then burned, and then leveled to the ground, whose daughters and whose sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have their throats slit. The topic of the lecture, a Christian attitude towards violence. The thesis, we should not retaliate since God is perfect. Encouragement is to go to a village that has been completely, blunt, uh, completely plundered. And I can even relate to this. Um, I'm going to Sierra Leone. And when I go to Sierra Leone, they had a horrific war. The war was almost games of, if you read on it, how many versions can I get in one day? A competition that has even taken place, not mattering about the age. How many children can I make into a soldier? And the only way we can adopt a child and make him a soldier is that if we drug the child and the first person he kills is his parents. So they take the soldier and then he goes and kills his parents. So we walk into Sierra Leone and we live with these war-torn people. As we're living with these war-torn people, what is the words that we should say to them? We should say, God is a God of love. God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of joy and happiness. We need to wipe all that stuff away and just live. How can you even do this? How can you do this? In other words, what I mean is, how do you keep a person from not retaliating? How do you keep a person from not picking up a sword? God demands us to do what? Demands us to love. As he is demanding us to love, it is a huge statement. But the only way we are even capable of love is to know if a sword it will be picked up. It's to know that there will be a judge. I mean, if, if I am abused, my wife is abused, or my children's abused, there's something that is inside of me that just wants to lash out. What is going to prevent me from lashing out if there's no judge? Why would there be anything that would prevent me from lashing out? It's one after another after another. The structure of, with, uh, of life without a judgment would be the structure of life with complete violence. See, we internally even know that um, 
even whether we're believers or not, know that we are desperate need of a judge, and we even kind of rest on that a little bit. Someday, everything is going to be, is going to be all right. Someday, everything is going to be perfect. We think about that even if we're not Christians, because we're hungry for a judge. But yet the comment says, well, you know, God of love, how can you look at God of love as somebody that um, would also be a, a judge? Just ask the question, um, what would happen if Osama bin Laden was not shot, um, but he was captured, and he was brought to the United States, and he went through the court system, and there was a judge that said, I pardon you. You may go in peace. You are a free man. What would happen to the United States? <laughs> the United States probably erupt into war. Um, erupt into war to where? The government and the judge that made the statement. That judge would instantly be thrown out of town because inside of us, there's always this, this something that there, there has to be there has to be this just justice, whether we like it or not. It's there. There has to be some sort of justice so we can relax, so we can have peace, so we can keep the sword down and do nothing but God commands us to do is to pour out our hearts to love people. Number three, if there's no judge, there can be no peace in country, no peace in mind, and no peace in eternity. Sin has brought um, no peace in the land. Absolutely no peace in the land. And can we live in the land where there's not a principle that says there has to be guidelines? And if there is one guideline, there has to be a judge or a person, a judge, to make sure that those guidelines are, met, are, are, um, are established um, so society can even take place. We could have no peace in mind, no peace in country, we enjoy the law as much as we don't necessarily like the law in some areas, but we enjoy the law because it prevents me from breaking into Ted's house when it's not that I would break into your house, but it prevents me from, from doing that. So we enjoy that law. It brings us a comfort. It brings us a strength and allows us to have peace. It allows us to have, uh, allows us to have rest. Number four, everyone wants a judge. They just don't want to be judged. So Osama bin Laden, if he was set free, we would be angry because there would be no judge. Osama bin Laden deserves to be judged. Hitler deserves to be judged. And I can name quite a bit other people that deserve to be judged, but I don't deserve to be judged. That's what's going on in everybody's mind. <laughs> that is, is what's taking place in people's minds is that there needs to be judgment on everybody except me. And, um, and that's how the mind functions. That's how the mind works. It's interesting that um, Christianity is, um, comes with an amazing statement. An amazing statement. And the statement is, I deserve to be judged, but what's going to take place? Christ has taken that judgment on himself. Name one of the religions that's like that. That's crazy. That's completely radical. That's completely transformational. If you look at that just simple statement, I deserve to be judged, but Christ has taken my judgment on you, what would that do to a human being? What it would do to a human being is what it should do to every Christian. Touch that deep inside of our soul to say, why in the world? Do I have the life that I should have? Because I deserve to be judged, but yet I'm not going to be. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life sets me free from the law of sin and death. So here is every, the mind of every individual, Christian or not, is that there needs to be a judge, but I cannot stand to be judged, and I will not be judged. That's what the human being is saying. Every person says, there needs to be a judge, but I cannot sit before a judge. And you know what? According to the Bible, you can't. You can't. Therefore, Christ did. 
See how powerful judgment is? Is God almost cleaned everything up? That we need to be judged, but we can't be judged because if we are judged, we are completely annihilated. That is the power of the cross. Yes, you will be completely annihilated, but my son will be annihilated in your stead for you to find freedom off of this. Judgment on the unsaved, judgment on the saved. Um, so just kind of moving down, I, um, I want to just specifically talk about the unsaved judgment. Um, I just mentioned judgment on the saved, but I want to I shift that focus um, a little bit because we're going to move into hell. I will talk about judgment on the saved when we talk about, uh, when we talk about, when we talk about heaven. But let's just look at specifically, okay, I'm going to reject Jesus. Um, I don't want Jesus. I'm going to step away from him. I'm not going to let my judgment take a place on his shoulders. In other words, I'm a king, I'm a lord, and he's not Therefore, I shouldn't be judged, and I really don't need him to take my judgment. Um, so let's just talk about that person that, um, um, that, will, that will end up in hell. Uh, number five, there are different levels of punishment that are going to take place as people um, are judged. Um, if we look at uh, the Bible, we can ask the question, is there different degrees in hell? Is there different degrees in heaven? Often the answer is, um, no, there's, there's not different degrees in hell, and there's not different degrees in heaven, but the Bible um, spe- talks specifically about different degrees, and if there is different degrees, you definitely want to know what the worst thing is. In other words, what's going to put me down here and not put me down here? And I'm not trying to teach people to go to hell, but this is what you're going you're gonna to try, you're going to see that's going to take place, that there is degrees that are taking place. John 19, 11, therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Does that mean there is a sin that's less than another sin? Or are all sins completely and entirely equal? If we think of this, who's talking here? This is Jesus talking to who? He's talking to to Pilate. Um, Who is Pilate? Pilate has taken more lives than you can possibly imagine. He, he is, he's, he's wiped out people more impossibly. He's not a really nice person. And that's why the Jews wanted Jesus to go before Pilate, because they knew that if he went before Pilate, Pilate would annihilate him without a conscience. Um, but what does Jesus say? The one who delivered me over. Who delivered him over? Um, Caiaphas um, and the Jews. We can just, Caiaphas was the high priest, and Caiaphas was leading all the religious people. So here you have Pilate, who's what? Not necessarily, not, I'm sorry, not necessarily, not a religious man. And then you have somebody that is a religious man. And what does Jesus say? He says, this sin over here is even greater than this sin over here. So is there degrees that are taking place? There must be degrees that are taking place if people are being handed over to a greater sin. We'll talk further about that. Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he comes, he becomes one, you make him twice as much as a son of hell as you are. Twice as much? That's almost double as much. But who's he talking to again? He's again talking to the Pharisees. That you make him twice as much. Luke 10, 12, just to show you another passage. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of Sodom than it is for your town. Um, Sodom was annihilated pretty aggressively. According to this verse, there's something that this person has done, again with the Pharisees, that would be more anni- uh, be worse than even that took place from Sodom. Matthew 11 talks about, woe to you, Kerazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for you, Tyree, and Sidon, on the day of judgment than for you. And you in Capernaum um, will be lifted up in the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. And the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom if you would have remained in this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than specifically for you. So is there degrees that are going to take place? And what are the degrees? You definitely want to ask the question, what are the degrees of judgment that are going to take place in regards to um, an unsaved, an unsaved person? Just looking at this, um, the unsaved, number six, these are the degrees. The unsaved person will be judged 
um, by their um, original sin. Uh, what takes place is we are individuals who have sinned, and what we do in a sense of sin is that Christ is a revelation. You're going to find this more, that Christ reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us and say, accept me, embrace me, because we know that we have to have a judgment. Take, embrace my judgment here on the cross, and you'll be saved. If you refuse that, we will be judged in regards to the original sin. Romans 2, 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself on the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgments will be revealed. Why is this person storing up wrath? One specific reason. Because of his stubbornness of his heart. Well, ask the question. Uh, was it worse that Cain killed Abel? Was that the worst sin? Or was it worse that he believed God would not forgive his sin for killing Abel if he came to him and asked for it? Almost the murder was not nearly as bad as trying to figure out that we worship a God who is given himself and said, I will forgive you if you choose. The other story that kind of looks at this is we have um, Judas. What did Judas do? He went to hell. Why did he go to hell? Because he used God for something else rather than worshiping God. And then when he was tested, what happened is his sin was right before him. And when his sin was right before him, he says, I cannot bear the pain of my sin. Therefore, he went out and hung himself. There's somebody else that made a sin probably just as bad as Judas, and that was Peter. What did Peter do? Peter denied Christ. Same day. Denied him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And what happened when he was confronted with his sin? He responded directly to Christ, broken. I cannot believe what he done. Is sin worse than rejecting the person that has forgiveness? What happens is that when we're being judged for the gentleness of our sin or for the, um, for the, um, the origin of of our sin. We're being judged because we are refusing to, um, refusing to re- we are choosing to reject the one that will bring us salvation. And therefore, every person that is unsaved will be judged on that platform and on that realm. The unsaved, number seven, the unsaved person will be judged by a number of sins, they, the number of sins that they commit. Matthew twelve thirty six. But I tell you that men will have to account, give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Every word that we, uh, an unsaved person has spoken, is going to what? They're going to be judged by that. What about the people that live longer? Are they going to have a worse judgment? I would say that they probably would have a worse judgment. Because everything that we are doing on earth, everything that we are swallowing on earth, is going to take us an eternity to digest when we get, uh, if, we, if we went, ended up in hell. Every single thing that has taken place is being, um, is being recorded, and the price is going to be there. Romans 2.16, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. Okay, so it says that if we give a child a cup of water, uh, what do we get? We get a blessing and that reward in heaven will not be, you know, void. In other words, we will get this. Um, Also in hell, if we do this one little thing, we will also get this. But this verse comes to a different degree. I'm not only going to judge actions, I'm going to do what? All your secrets that are in your mind. All your sins that are even in your mind. See, the reason why we need, um, uh, we don't only need a judge, we need a perfect judge that understands the motives why we do what we do. That perfect judge will clean everything up as he opens up our mind, as he opens up our hearts, as he opens up our motive, and all that will be on the platform um, when um, an unbeliever stands before, before God. And number eight, the unsaved will be judged by the heinousness of their sins. So we can ask the question, what about, um, what about Hitler? Highness of our sins. Um, what about Hitler? Will he be judged more than, um, than another person? Um, let's talk about, you know, even a, a, um, 
I don't want to use a young child, but say, you know, somebody that uh, died at a younger age, and um, that person died at a younger age, will Hitler be judged the same way? We, also, we have to think, well, yeah, you, you know, everybody's judged in hell. It's all the, it's all the same. Um, it's not. It's not all the same. Romans 2, 9. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Romans 2, 6. God will give to each person according to what he has done. In Revelations 20, 11, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded into those books. So everything is, is very specific um, when, it comes, when it comes to judgment. So I just want to give you just... Um, no, not yet. I want to give you number nine, and then I want to give you my, give you my fast spiel of, of what hell looks like. Number nine, the unsaved will be judged according to their knowledge. If you have a, a 10-year-old son and a 5-year-old son, and, and you come home, and, and uh, the house is an absolute disaster, and you told them to clean it up before you left, you come home, and where are you going to put the most of your judgment? You're going to sit in the five-year-old son and say, you need to be responsible, or are you going to talk to the 10-year-old son and say, you need to be responsible? What you're going to do is you're going to talk to the 10-year-old son more because the 10-year-old son is leading the younger son. So what we have is we have this concept, this consistent question, even consistent question that comes up um, um, in this class is, what about the person that never heard the gospel? Does that person get thrown into the pit of hell uh, with Hitler? Because is there people that have never heard the gospel? You know what? There is people that have never heard the gospel. But what happens if you never hear the gospel? Are you going to be judged? This is going to be crazy, but are you going to be judged by the gospel if you never heard the gospel? Or are you going to be judged for something else? See, what's going to take place is that we're going to get judged, uh, unsaved people are going to get judged by their knowledge of the truth. John 12, 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last days. So what does this mean? This means that as you are in this class right now, the gospel is being spoken. And the gospel is being told. And as the gospel is being spoken, as the gospel is being told, it has been given clearly and if you're just determined, say, you know, I'm, I'm going to hell. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. When I die, I'll make sure I'm going to go to hell. And that determination, you will be judged by the knowledge that act was actually given to you. So we think about, you know, a younger person um, that has, did not get exposed to much um, um, knowledge um, at all. Well, he will not be judged according to necessarily what he's done, but judged on the basis of that knowledge lifted up to what he has done and his rejection of it. Luke twelve forty seven. And that servant who knew his master will but, will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive severe beatings. Why is he receiving severe beatings? Because he did not act according to God's will that he knew that punishment comes heavier. Proverbs 29. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. A man who does what? Remains, I will not embrace, I will not embrace. As knowledge is given, that person will be broken beyond remedy. Romans two twelve. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will also be judged by the law. So, um, this is talking about the unsaved. I just want to bring this up again, that if somebody's in this room that says, um, I'm determined to reject um, Christ, I'm determined to go to hell. I want nothing to do with Christianity, um, and I'm, it's going to happen no matter what, no matter what anybody says. Um, let me give you some advice on how to get to hell. No, don't take this advice, because hopefully everyone wants to get to, get to heaven. It's, it's number one, be as holy as you possibly can. And the reason why we need to be as holy as we possibly can is because our sin is going to judge us. Our sin is going to burn inside of us. Our sin is going to uh, increase with a fire that cannot be quenched. 
And what I mean by our sin is going to increase with a fire that cannot be quenched is have you ever seen an addiction take place? An addiction is I do not want this. I hate this. I is destroying everything I love. It is destroying everything I want. It is destroying everything that is beautiful, but you cannot let go of it. What is hell? Hell is the process of that burning where it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter that I want, I want, I want. Give me, give me, give me, give me more, 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 more. As we're moving towards that direction, the sin is continually burning inside of us. The heniness of sin, the sickness of sin will haunt an unbeliever for the rest of his life. Hitler will be haunted by what? He'll be haunted with his actions that took place on this earth, and the earth is going to be so small. We will also be haunted by the person who has heard the gospel. Heard the gospel how many times? In fact, in Hebrews, talks about this is probably the worst case scenario you can possibly be in. Consistently hearing the gospel, hearing the beauty of the gospel, being completely educated and carrying a stiff neck and says, I will not want it. What's going to take place for an eternity? What's going to take place for eternity? There is going to be a grip on you that is going to be so strong and say, why was I so stupid? Why did I not embrace? Why would I not bend a knee? It would be better for a person in hell not to hear the gospel than to hear it multiple times or even to hear it once and, and, and try to survive hell without hearing that gospel. Because as we hear it, we still continue, um, continue to um, reject it. And also, every little sin that does take place, you again want to live a holy life. If you're determined to go to hell, live a holy life because those sins are going to stay with you and they're going to turn, they're going to turn, they're going to turn. What hell is, is hell is grace completely pulled back. And as grace is completely pulled back, judgment completely goes on you. But as judgment completely goes on you, is it God sticking his hand on you and beating you? Or is it grace is pulled and everything you ever wanted, you finally get for an eternity? And it will be the most miserable situation you will ever see um, in your entire life. So when we look at um, judgment, what we are doing in this world, um, and I'm talking about the unsaved, what we are doing in this world is building up a wrath from God that, and that wrath says, my grace will be released and you get everything you've done, everything you want, and you can have it all for an absolute eternity. And it, you're not going to like it. In fact, it is going to be as ugly as you can possibly, can possibly imagine. So we're going to talk more in depth about hell and try to get even into the caverns and try to understand what's going to take place in the next couple of days, but when you, or next couple of weeks. But when you hear the word judgment and you hear the word God is a judge, what that means, everything is going to come to the surface. And when everything is going to come to the surface, all that is going to be given to you. And as that is going to be given to you, because everything is going to be right, as all that is going to be given to you, what's going to take place if you do not have Christ will be a torment that cannot even be explained. So this answers the big question. Number 10, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? How can a loving God send somebody to hell? You hear this question answered all the time, and people want to reject our faith. In regards to, you have a God of love, and how could he do such a thing to somebody else? Well, I just want to really quickly go through this, because I want to give you guys a chance to talk. But letter A, God is love, therefore he can't do anything that is unloving. God is love, therefore he cannot do anything that is unloving. Well, when we think of uh, love, what do we often think about? We think of love in, in our category, in our definition, and it does not come with any sort of justice at all. It does not come with any sort of dynamics of sin. It does not come with any sort of, um, of authority whatsoever. But when God talks about love and Him being love, it comes with all the dynamics of sin, all the dynamics of authority, all the dynamics of sovereignty, all the dynamics um, of power. And as he's looking at that, say, I am love, therefore 
people will get what they want and what they deserve, and it's going to be theirs. Letter B, God does not send people to hell. Do people choose? Do people choose, or does God send? We often think of, you know, oh, God's just going to cast people in hell, cast one person in hell, cast another person in hell, cast another person in hell. Does God do that? Or is God saying, I'm going to give you a choice, and I will let you choose heaven, or I will let you choose hell. Everybody has this choice. And you can say, well, you know what I want to do is I want to choose, I want to choose hell. Because heaven is going to be a place where I'm going to have to bow my knee here on earth. Heaven is going to be a place where I have to look at Jesus as a Savior when I'm powerful enough to be my own Savior, so why would I, why would I want him? John 3, 16, 17 gives us a verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So just let, um, number 11, as, as people are asking that question, a better wording for the question would be, if God is love, then why do some go to hell? If God is love, then why do some go to hell? Just to kind of specifically answer that question, letter A, a God of love must be a God of perfect justice. I mentioned this uh, last week. Um, that if I took um, um, a homeless person into my house because um, I love Christ, I loved him, and I want him to have Christ. And as I embraced him, I said, I want to raise you. I want to not raise you. I want to be with you for the purpose of showering love so you can see the love of Christ. And so he lives in my house for one week, two weeks. The third week, he starts to um, take advantage of my wife. The fourth week, he starts to take advantage of my children. And, and all of a sudden, the house is erupting as... Things are taking place. Now, if I as a father charge putting, bringing him in in charge of my wife in charge of my daughters and they're being completely taken advantage of by them, if I walked up to my daughters and my wife and I explained to them, God is a God of love. And what we must do is we must make sure that he receives the gospel. Therefore, we have to keep him here. That statement would be a horrific statement of hate to my daughters and to my wife. You see what love comes with is love must come with justice. Love must come with a judge. Love must come with somebody, a God that makes absolutely everything right. So those two, we can say, well, God is a God of love, but if there's justice, if there's not justice, then there is not love. Love does not exist if there's not justice. Uh, Letter B, people have been given enough truth but actively suppress it because they do not like it. People do not receive Jesus because they really don't like him. People do not receive heaven because they really do not like it. Romans 1, 18-23, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all all the godliness Um, wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that the men will be without excuse." For, the all, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him, or nor gave him thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like the mortal man in birds and animals and reptiles. Why did they do that? Because they saw the picture of God and they really did not like it. Therefore, they oppressed it. They saw a picture of a judge. They really do not like it. So they turned it and did what? And oppressed it. I am the judge. I am my own judge. I get to do what I want to do. I get to choose what I want to do. And I will reject any God that tells me, that tells me otherwise. 
you see what's taken place is people don't choose God because they see him and they do not like him. So they choose the other, and the other is what they are going to get for eternity. That's what's going to take place. And then they would call that hell. Choosing God in his relationship moves us to what? Moves us to an eternity to be where? To be specifically with him. Letter C. Uh, Self-will wants us to deny God's right to tell us what to do. We have inside of us to be our own king, to be our own Lord. And if we have that inside of us to be our own king and our own Lord and we go to heaven, do you think that would change? When we see the beauty and the majesty of God, do you think that would change if that is the burning desire that we have as a human being? It did not change for Lucifer. Lucifer saw the beauty, the majesty, the glory of God, but he had inside of him that was evil that said, I want to rise above. I want to take, I want to move out. What was he doing? He was earning himself his own desire. And what can you call that? You can call that a lake of fire. You can call that hell that has taken place. Thomas Nigel was an atheist. It says, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I am right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't, want to be, I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. You see why we're rejecting God is because we are wanting something different than God. And God is saying, you can have it. And as you have it, and all those little sins that come with it, those will exist with you with no more grace. And when those exist with you with no more grace, you have an extreme explanation of the fire, the, the loneliness, the oppression, and the tortures of a dungeonous pit called hell. Letter D, hell is not much more than being separated from, God's lo- separated from the loving God. That is why it is the most horrific torment one could ever suffer. Now, um, the first verse um, we take and say, whoa, hell really isn't that bad, is it? Hell is not much more than being separated from a loving God. It's not as hot as I thought it was going to be. You know, we're just working towards, we're going, working towards hell. Um, uh, don't take that verse lightly. Don't take that verse lightly. Next week, we're going to talk about specifically hell, and we're going to talk about being separated, and the depths of being separated from all grace is probably the worst torment you can possibly have as a human being. That is why the most horrific torment absolutely um, exists. So I just, uh, just in, in closure, um, wrap things up, and then we'll, we'll um, get questions going. But um, God is a God of love. Therefore, he has to be a God of justice. And a God of justice must be a judge. And as he is the judge, he is moving people in areas that they really want to be. And as soon as they go into areas of where they want to be, they go, and there is a horrific torment that takes place on one side, and there's a horrific blessing that takes place on the other. But really the explanation of where we want to be is, do I really want to be with Jesus, or do I not want to be with Jesus? Life with Jesus is heaven Life without Jesus is hell, and don't water that down (laughs) because it is horrifically ugly under that judge. So we'll just open up with questions, and uh, we will get get more into great detail um, of hell. I just wanted to give you the explanation, the rounded explanation of um, of what we're looking at when we talk about that subject. So Rich, we've got one over here. So, Mike, they talk about, uh, the Bible says that the new, you know, the new heaven is going to be in Jerusalem and it's going to be on earth. 
Is hell going to be on earth also? No. Uh, well, I, um, it talks about a dungeon. Um, it talks about um, the lake of fire. And it talks about, you know, the depths of the earth. Um, so we can take that extremely literally, that there's a hole that's going to be driven into the ground, into the depths of, of, of the earth, and it's going to be um, a fire that is, is, is horrible, is just, you know, is, is just nasty. Um, I would not go that far to be that literal, to say that this is where it is going to take place. Um, the um, exact location, um, I, would, I would say I do not necessarily know, but I definitely know that it's not going to be on earth, because earth is going to be completely and entirely restored, and as earth is going to be completely and entirely restored, we're not going to walk on the damned, is what I believe. Next week we're going to talk about there's, um, um, and this is where it's going to get not necessarily controversial, but people go, whoa, what are we we're talking about? Um, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, is, is, um, is all the communication or the communication about hell, is it, is it um, um, allegorical or is it um, completely and entirely um, uh, literal? And, um, and which I'm just going to ask that question. I'm probably not even going to give you the, the ultimate answer, but I'm just going to ask that question as we look at the dynamics of hell um, in those things. And um, so when we talk about the depths of the earth, is it the, is it the depths of the planet earth that we'll go into? Is it um, a, a lake um, of fire that literally um, burns the, the flesh from the inside out? Um, you know, is it, what is it? You know, and we're just going to, we're just going to kind of bring up the whole conversation. So bring some, uh, um, salting crackers because you're going to get sick to your stomach. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Just in a sense of trying to find out the dynamic of that piece. Yeah, Mike. One of the things you run into a lot is, you know, we talk about how loving our God is and we see it in all this. But when you get to talking to people that don't believe or maybe once were in church and then have gone away from it, one of the big questions you always come get asked is, well, if he's such a loving God, how can these kids be abused by parents that are, you know, too young to do anything? And how do you, I mean, I, I've heard it expressed, well, there's free will. And, and you know the people that do this are going to make, have to sit before the judgment day and be judged. But, you know, the, you get asked, well, if he's such a loving God, why does it happen to these kids? So let's look at the whole picture. Adam and Eve sinned. It brought sin into our nature. It brought sin that is going to be horrific to children. It's going to sin that's going to be horrific to mankind. It's sin that's going to be horrific to the world. There's going to be tidalways. There's going to be tornadoes. All this stuff is going to take sin. God makes a decision in regards to that. I'm going to send Jesus um, before Cain and Abel. And as Jesus comes before Cain and Abel, those two are going to be saved. Um, that's something that he could have done. And, um, and that could have brought you know, brought life to them and, and brought health to them, brought salvation to them, and it would have been a threesome, you know, God, Jesus, Adam and Eve, and, and Jesus. Uh, he could have responded that way, um, but he didn't respond that way. Uh, he said, there's people that I want in my fold. So time starts to take place. Now, as time takes place, that does not root out sin. That does not root out the, the abuse of children, the horrificness to children. It does not um, root out all the, the actions of our motives because of the sinful nature, um, it's still there, and we live in it. So almost the answer would be, God, why don't you just call it into it right now so it will stop happening? Because as long as we exist, this is going to happen because of our nature of sin. Why did you not just call it now? But he says, no, I want to wait until everyone is in my fold, meaning that if Christ doesn't come for another 50 years, there is people that have not been born yet that need to be in God's fold, and that span of life has taken place. Always in that span of life, as long as there's sin, there's going to be the horrificness to children. And why God has chosen to do that way, that is what he's chosen to do. Um, how do I say this nicely? I'm kind of glad he's chosen 
to do it that way, just in the sense that, maybe I should back this up, but we have salvation today in 2018. We have salvation today because we have 6,000 years that has taken place. He could have done the whole different package and made it a threesome. Instead, he says, I want people with me. And as a result, I get to be with him. You get to be, we get to be with him as a result of time. But even as a result of time, we watch the horrificness take place. So we say, why doesn't he just stop the horrificness? Um, because he's allowed us to have sin. That's why children are abused. He's allowed us to have what we want. That's why murder takes place. He's allowed us to have those things. So there's a hell on earth, which is going to increase in eternity. Your point about uh, those that have never heard, we know that uh, God is omniscient. He knows everything, everything we've ever done or, or thought and everything that will be done or thought in the future. And uh, I was taught by someone that um, all those that never hear, if God knows that they would, cho- they would choose for him in faith, they will hear. Mm-hmm. And today, we know that there are, I believe it's thousands of Muslims in the Middle East seeing visions in other ways, telling them to go somewhere and get a Bible or meet somebody. Uh, and there are, like I said, there are hundreds if not thousands of stories about this happening because they will decide to believe. Yeah. And so God makes sure that they hear. What do you think? There will not be one person in hell that said, I sought God and could not find him. I have a conscience. Um, we're going to have to wrap it up because we're a little over. Um, I have a conscience and I see a creation and there is a creator and I've looked for that creator, that broken creator, and I couldn't find him. Not one person is going to be in hell that, that does that. I believe that. I believe exactly that.